I was willing to live outdoors in order to not break the promise to myself of living indoors by working a job where I traded my time for a pay rate. Hey, what's up? This is Culture Hustlers, where we talk with artists, designers, performers, writers, makers, and other entrepreneurs on how they hustle their living by selling culture. I'm your host, Lucas Spivey. I'm a BFA MBA hybrid and the son of a drifter. That's right, second gen drifter. Just roaming the US, catching stories of artist entrepreneurs inside the mobile incubator. What is that? It's a rolling broadcast studio inside a vintage camper trailer that travels across the U.S. And it's beautiful. Uh, It's public art on wheels. It's a selfie destination. And it's towed by an old school 70s ambulance that I painted champagne. And it's like a big disco ball going down the road. Gone 22,000 miles at this point. And today we're here in Savannah, Georgia, talking with Zulu Jones of the psychedelic reggae funk rock band Zulu Prophet. This was a totally impromptu interview. I was parked at an indie market in the Starland District of Savannah. I've been gathering Vox Pop for the day at an indie market in the Starland District. Vox Pop is a voice of the people just parking there and talking to different artists, designers, writers, performers, makers. And there was really loud bluegrass music playing the whole day, so a lot of the recordings definitely have some banjo in the background. But suddenly the music stopped and Zulu wandered in and he said, what the hell is this? (laughs) And he sat down and we started talking and the man just started dropping bombs. Zulu does not mince words. He grew up in the Bronx in the 70s where he said he was spit on for being black. He's dealt with drugs, homelessness, dead bodies. So I'm going to preface this podcast by saying You're going to hear things that you don't agree with, and you're going to hear it in language that you might not agree with, but you're also going to hear things that will stretch you as a person. Zulu has been to the abyss, and he pulled himself out through his art. We're going to talk about the role of drugs in the life of a creative person, and we're going to talk about going broke and even homeless as a creator. And we're going to talk about leaving behind friends that no longer can help you on your journey. These are all tough things to talk about, but I personally took a lot from this interview, and I know you're going to as well. And that's why I chose it to be the very first episode of our second season. My name is Zulu Jones. I play in a local band called Zulu Prophet. We're about to embark on a 10-state tour. We're hitting Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, And we want to take local Savannah brands that have regional or national distribution on the road with us. We play psychedelic punk reggae rock. Members of my band are Sheen Daly. He's up in Canada right now at his brother's wedding and then heading over to Ireland, his homeland, to visit his family for a while. And Rhett Coleman, who grew up just outside of Savannah and uh, is a real swamp dog. But three of us make up Zulu Prophet. Music to me this ever-present electromagnetic field around everything that exists and we only perceive a certain amount of it and I think with the chemical reaction that music produces in the brain you're able to experience some of what's beyond our normal perception like we call it stepping off the edge of eternity and every time you do that you have to trust that the universe will catch you because the moment that you don't believe that you will continue to fall 
So for us, music is also a, it's how we eat. You know, when I was homeless on the river, I promised myself I wasn't going to live indoors unless music was funding it. We talk about music, you have to take a chance on yourself and take a chance on living. And when we play music, there's that freedom because we've always allowed a certain amount of improvisation in the moment. So as, as you're experiencing time split second after the event is already, already happening, while you're making music, you have to lock in telepathically. And we call that galaxy rocking. And if you believe that no one's there to catch you, then you're really on your own and you start acting just on your own will, right? And I have to protect my own and, and you start to really close off to new opportunities? Maybe. That's one route you can go, definitely. So then remaining open is, is scary because it means that you're going to take the jump. Well, yes. But if you don't, like, you'll be like one of these okey-doke motherfuckers that lives a goddamn life that he was told to live rather than one that he decided to live. I know plenty of miserable people my age. I'm 46 years old, right? I know plenty of miserable motherfuckers that are locked into mortgages, marriages, and lives that they detest and are a drudgery to them because they didn't jump off. They, had, they put a safety rope, and you can't jump with a safety rope because you can mm -hmm. only go so far. None of this has any meaning other than what the individual ascribes to the moment. And knowing that, you should be free to do anything because there's a time limit. And if you don't like make use of it, hell, I saw this damn trailer and I was like, I'm not going in there. Like, I don't know what this person's angle is. I don't know what it is that they're enticing people to come speak about. I'm trying to know myself by knowing others. Right, I'm examining my own life by listening to other people. Your psychology is no different than anybody else's. The same chemical reactions that take place in your brain take place in the next human beings, just in a different different yeah. mix of chemicals slightly people people ask me all the time like you talk to all these people like what's your voice like what's your message and I thought about it more and more and i was like you know like after talking to this many people there is no one way to do life that's it so as soon oh, as you start is. you have to eat or you will die <laughs> but you don't have to like but you can choose to not eat and so i can deal with the consequence of that but i think think beyond like food water shelter there's this people not everyone but some people really ask themselves, like, what's the meaning? And some people bury that question deep down and never want to ask it because they're scared of what the answer might be and that they're not actually doing that or that they spent too much time not doing it in life. But I really feel like we measure our own path and we are on our own time zone in life. And it's our own destination that's different than anyone else's. So you should never feel wrong about that. I mean, it's it's your path and it's your pace and it's your destination and it's your path to get there. And it's and you measure yourself and nobody else gets to measure you. And you shouldn't be measuring anybody else either. You should let them go their own way. That's that's crazy you say that. That's some like very 12 step AA, NA uh, philosophy. I, I, I was a friend of Bill W. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. So. I think that's the problem and a root cause of a great deal of anxiety and unhappiness is comparing. You compare yourself outside of yourself, you know, to something out externally. Like, there's, there, there's no comparison, man. Me and you are two different people. I can admire what you do. I can strive to emulate what you do. And so, like, I find this inspiring that you've got your own hustle going here and you're documenting the human experience, right? Like, I yeah. relate that to my, 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 you know, I communicate in sound waves. In, you know in the other world so like I can relate that to my experience maybe this will in two months this conversation will bear fruit and then I'm 
taking listening to somebody else's story and seeing what I can learn from it. I compared myself to everything that I wasn't for a long time. And I'm not trying to fix my crazy anymore. I'm just navigating it. It's like skipping on stones across a stream. Sometimes you're going to slip and your foot's going to get wet. That's usually an emotional outburst that um, hasn't passed through like the logic filter yet. You're going to like, get one foot wet and say, ah, oh, the hell with it. And then you're just going to like wade through the rest of it waist deep. Now you got wet pockets. You can't start a fire that night and shit, man. Your money's all, every, right? Speaking from experience here. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. I just hit six years sober. So the the pain of, like, my other life is still, like, very evident. Uh, the building on the other side of this one, I was sleeping in that shelter. Six years ago this day, I was sleeping in that shelter, and I checked myself into a eight-week outpatient treatment program over on 63rd Street. My addiction had um, turned me into a subhuman being that was operating only on lizard brain and not mammal brain. Mammal brain is the emotional brain. Lizard brain is the, I gotta eat. Music does facilitate that lifestyle. You're at a bar at 3 o'clock in the morning and there's a ton of hot girls and they're letting other cats do cocaine off of their naked ass and shit, man. And Now, we get done playing and all that that is going on that's good for somebody else is... You know, I got sober, and last year, my I'm, I, ran, I saw my daughter for the first time in six, seven years. And my mom and my niece all on Sapelo Island, because I was playing a concert down there, and that's where we linked up. You know, if, if I didn't have music, I don't know what would have happened when I needed to get sober, because that was my only means of income. It was through music I met the woman that I love and my best friends in Savannah. You know, like, for me, growing up in the 80s, the it was the criminal was romanticized. I catch Scarface at 11 years old in the South Bronx, right right in the middle of, like, right before the crack ep epidemic. So, of course, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be the big guy. I wanted to, oh, dude, what the fuck nobody say, dude? I remember the first time that I drank, and I remember thinking to myself, this is how I was supposed to be feeling. I mean, looking back now at that feeling, that's fucked up, right? But that's how I felt. I was like, I feel the way everyone else looks like they feel. What I know now is that you can't just numb the bad feelings, you numb all the feelings. I probably hit a joint that was laying in the ashtray at nine or 10. Start drinking beer with the boys at, you know, at 11 or 12, because back then you could go in the convenience store and they'd sell a 10 year old kid a bottle of beer. You know, and then we found a fucking sock that had like little vials of coke in it. We, like watching Scarface, Miami Vice is on, the fast life, just getting interested, and you know, puberty's hitting and shit, man. So all nuts are damn, like fucking, like, hey, do something, stop slapping me. And so, you know, I remember standing in the stairwell and trying cocaine and feeling powerful. But I was, uh, I was picked on as a kid, like starting um, kindergarten, you know, I was a biracial kid in the 70s and shit, man. So even in, in the Bronx, in the oh. Good old liberal New York, man. People used to spit on the street when me and my mom and dad would walk by. Yes, I, I grew up in that New York, the legend, the legendary The legendary New York. New York. Melly Mel used to live in my building on my floor from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, the cat that wrote the message. Hip-hop started in my neighborhood. We used to throw cardboard down and, and break dance. And I used to walk past the building that John Lennon lived in before he was shot on my way to fencing lessons and on Saturday, you know? And at the same time in the Bronx, um, 
we're going through the pockets of dead junkies and shit in the alley and shit, man. See if they died with any money because they OD. Ten years old, man, pulling the rings off a of dead man sometimes. There's some stuff I've seen and done that I'll never tell anybody. I don't care about that. Judge me on that shit. I was a kid in one of the worst environments. I mean, the place looked like Third World War Zone. But that's what we're talking about is we, we can't go around measuring other people's journey to our and own. I measured myself against that because everything I saw was prettier than that. I used to look at Little House on the Prairie and, and you like thought, dream of that shit. Did, right? you, did you have feelings? Like, this was my feeling growing up, and I've had to talk this out of myself so many times, which What's was you don't qualify for that. I mean, why even bother trying? They're just gonna tell you no. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, 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 I I still wrestle with that. But I've also learned something living in the South. And there's a phrase they got here. It says, "A closed mouth don't get fed." That means two things. Means if you don't open your mouth while you're putting the spoon to your mouth, you're not going to get fed. It also means if you don't ask for food, you're not going to get fed. So a closed mouth don't eat. Yeah. And if you tell me, no, I'll ask the next motherfucker, he might say yes. And if all y'all motherfuckers tell me no, then I'll just build it myself. Every human interaction with me is just run through a real quick cost-benefit analysis, right? Like, are you worth the calories I'm expending <laughs> in interacting with you? Because I've got to replenish those calories. People run away from an interaction that they don't know what to do with. When I feel that, I try to feel through that. And I'm like, well, what if this actually is, what if the person across the table from me Maybe I don't need, quote, anything from them, but what if they need something from me and I learn something by being there? Well, that's, that's, that's one way to do it. And then the other part is, like, you have no idea what you have in common with someone else. If, you, if you've ever been down, like, really down, you recognize that shit when other people are, and if you've got any sense of, like, honor about yourself, somebody that's lower than you, you'll just reach out to them and help them. Like, if you've got any sense of honor about yourself, you will help the person that is is going through the thing that you've been through. You've got something to learn, and it's through service and, like, humility and, like, realizing that, like, if you start helping other people, maybe they'll help you, but also maybe you you'll yourself. learn something. You help yourself. Because I have to confront my sobriety daily. Like, even if it's 10 three-second thoughts in a day's time or 30 seconds of meditation, it's got to be there. Me and my band, every once in a while, would do some do-gooder shit in town, right? Like, go feed a bum or go feed some hungry kids. It's just some other shit with somebody that ain't, they can't do it for themselves. You need to cut that ego down. It's not even that shit, man. I have so fucking much, man. I Man, I eat beans and rice still. I'm poor. I'm Every month is a struggle. But I never run out. And the reason I don't run out is because, like, I, I give some of it away. I ain't giving all of it away because Lizard Brain says survival of me comes first. But if you do well and you got some bonus, the good the goodwill of the community is behind me. Yeah, like I can, I'm I'm no I'm not going to starve to death in Savannah because I've cultivated enough relationships, and so that mm. cost benefit analysis, the benefit is not always a physical thing. Like what I'm getting out of this conversation right now is worth this expenditure of calories to me. You know what I'm saying? Like on on several levels, I'm enjoying the conversation. Something made me come here, so I need to pay attention because, like, I, me and my woman left here, and I came back to hear a bit of music. I was about to leave again, and decided to poke my head in here. So these these benefits, if you really open your eyes, are way beyond like what's in the physical world. I'm gonna leave here, and wherever my mind wanders is going to be influenced by this interaction. I've got enough. I, I trust in this interaction enough that something good will come out of that. So the calories that I'm spending here talking to you are definitely worth it to me. So, like, how serious is any of this shit? 
my being here or not being here will not in any way influence the way the world is spinning. So what am I here for? The only thing more, the only thing higher than my consciousness is life itself. So anything that has DNA is my brother. And ever since DNA hit the planet, it's not left. So my present, like I'm immortal. The calcium in my bones has always existed. Might have existed as a molecule in the star at one time. So my so vain is to think my consciousness is limited to my body or that it's anything more than a product of my biology. I mean, if you look at the expanse of human history, who's remembered? Like the greatest pimp of all time, Solomon from the Bible. He said, I'm going to drink my fill of pleasure while this DNA is still active. I got a question. Why is it that musicians often want to kind of carve their name into the world? They really want themselves to be known. They want their brand to be known. They want people to love them. They want fans. They want adoration. They want fame. They want... I imagine it's neurosis and psychosis of different types playing themselves out and shit, man. My feelings of inadequacy and shit are probably answered and shit, man, by the adulation of strangers. I make no bones about it. I want it fucking all. I want the money. I want motherfuckers to know my name. I want my words to fucking resonate in people's hearts. I want people to think my music is the shit. I want them to look at my face and goddamn bow, not bow down, but recognize it. But then... I want to make Where, money off all that <laughs> and then go to my private life with my kid and my woman and, and, and my best friend and shit, man, and just fucking kick it on the beach with a bonfire. I don't want much. I've raised some chickens in the farm. I just got to go get that money to make it happen. I'll play the guitar on the beach for my damn self. Like, that ain't going to change. I see a lot of people, they get really far because of that, but I also see them kind of like going in a weird direction because of that too. Of course. It's like, it's like, wow, you got a lot of fuel and like you got a big tank of it, but man, like you're going the wrong direction and you're too proud to admit it because they're chasing after other people's adoration instead of self-expression and like connection with other people. Well, who said that's more noble? That's a good point. Yeah, right. That's that background bullshit that society teaches. The morality thing? Turn the other cheek. Be humble. Fuck that shit. That's for the goddamn peasants. Man, I ain't no fucking peasant. So embrace that. I mean, Alexander didn't conquer all the shit that he conquered because he fucking wanted to turn the other cheek and be small and be humble. I only want to get so big. Man, fuck you. You're a weakling bitch. Get the fuck on. You can't run with me. You are not my equal. See, to me, there's only one one winner in a race. To other people, there's a first, second, and third place. But to me, there's only one winner in a race. And if I'm going to attempt something, I want to win. Thank God I was born in the 70s and I didn't learn any of that fucktard shit that says second place was okay. Because second mm. place is just, ah, you were almost good enough, but not quite. But you have to not let your second place get in your way of going out there and doing it again. Second place is a loss. Well, this is what we're talking about. Like We're yeah. talking about a generation of folks who, when they got second, third, fourth place, they were still given a trophy and a reward, and they said, good job. And they never felt that feeling of, I could have done better. I didn't give it my all. Oh, that's got to be horrible. Like, ah, that makes me feel like slimy thinking about somebody giving me an award for I, that I didn't earn. How do you be the, quote, best artist? It's so subjective. I feel like it's when you get on stage and you do what you do and you step off stage and you look in the mirror. You're like, did I did I fire it all on did I do it all? We gotta fire it all every time. There's no other way. But and like, and nobody in the audience, the audience might say, "Oh, you held back," or some people in the audience might, might say, "You were fucking amazing." But when you look in the mirror, you know the answer whether you gave it your all. I don't care what they say. They keep showing up, so I must be doing something right. And I ain't the star of my band. I ain't the best musician in my band. 
I'm a charismatic motherfucker who's good at social media and shit, and I can talk to anybody. But I don't do this by myself. I've always thought of ourselves as independent mercenary company who works together. You got one dude in the band that's Christian, one that who knows what he is, and like me. So our differences, we got plenty of differences. You know, one cat's a foreigner, man. You know, I'm from the north, another cat's from the south, one cat's from across the Atlantic Ocean. But we all have a, when, when we play together, there is a space of consciousness that we step into that is as close to the moment of creation or the big bang that I think our, our, capa our capability of reaching. So we're having a conversation in a whole different language. It's a lot of hard work, man. I gotta sleep next to Sometimes I gotta sleep next to in the same damn bed with these damn sweaty Mongols. You know? And I love them. And they know my family. And like, when one of them, has, one of them, he's gonna have to put out a baby soon. I'm gonna be in that child's life. So, this band thing, like, we got a unique situation. We ain't a bunch of for hire musicians. We're all friends. If you took the music away, we'd still be friends. That's a rare thing. Hmm. That's why these bands form together and break up and get rid of one dude, but it's still the same band, just get somebody else to fill in. It's because you weren't his friend. If you were his friend, you would have found a damn way to work out whatever's going on. If he was your friend, he would have made whatever sacrifices he needed to make in his life to make his music work. It's the only serious about it. I was willing to live outdoors in order to not break the promise to myself of living indoors by working a job where I traded my time for a pay rate. I'll play a gig by myself, but yeah, and I'll struggle through it and I'll get through it, man. But when I got my team with me, I am unstoppable. We are unstoppable. And sometimes I got to take the back seat and listen to what they say. Sometimes I got to shut the hell up and listen to what's going on. And if I don't, they'll demand it. And that I respect. I respect that. And so because I respect them, we're unstoppable. At the end of every podcast, I do some questions from... You know, people who are just coming up and yeah, just figuring this out for themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. Yeah, what's up? So, uh, you know, I like meet all these people at places like this, and then I gather up their questions. It's this kid named Jake Woodruff, and he's got a girl named Aisha, and they're both in bands. Sometimes they play together. And uh, his band is called Dream Tigers. Sometimes she plays in that. Right. She just goes by Aisha Burns. Right. And sometimes he plays with her, too. The two of the most amazing people I've ever met. You can just feel the light inside them. Right. And they tour a lot, which is a grind. And he's trying to think of like creative ways to kind of add on to his tour. Like what else can you do when you're on the road? To like, make money? To make money or to or like... to further your brand or to it, just further your, to further your business? If you're going to be out on tour, what are all the things that you could be doing? Like, like you know, like all parts of the Buffalo, like furthering your brand, okay. reaching more people, having a more kick-ass show, meeting more people on the way, making contacts, and yeah, making more money. Something I do is I'll dress up, I have a Pikachu onesie. So become visually engaging to somebody across the street. The adventurous person, the one that's not afraid to jump off the edge of the universe, will come over and talk to you. And once they engage you, you have an opportunity to give them your propaganda and start programming their reaction to you. Right? So the simple act of smiling at somebody produces a different reaction. So remain friendly and approachable. Every bit of material that passes your hands is a money-making opportunity. So if you eat tuna fish while you're on the road, save the cans, peel the label off and shit, man. And while one person is driving, the other person damn paint that shit and draw on it. Hmm. 
and the 33 cent tuna fish can turns into $2 or $5 ashtray because you take a hacksaw and you cut a D notch in it. So now you're selling banned ashtrays, right? That you've got a 33 cent <laughs> yeah. investment in. Yes. You're selling for $2. Like this, that nickel and dime, that's how, the, that's how the convenience store gets rich. It's the five cent hustle, right? Like it's 99 cents. The add-on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's always that. It's always that, but you got to be consistent about it. I think something that um, a lot of like the twenty-something-year-olds and even thirty-something-year-olds, well, I don't like social media, and I'm not well, okay. Well, you're that's like the new. I'm I don't do social media because it rots your brain. Shut the fuck up. The rest of the goddamn world's communicating with that shit, man. You want to be? You think you're the one motherfucking um, um, blood cell that's gonna go opposite? <laughs> opposite direction in the fucking vein or artery you go ahead and do that and I will fucking laugh at you all day goddamn long consistency and, and variety of content as far as the online game I think that if you're going on tour and this is what I'm working on right now I'm contacting all the radio stations ahead of time so the college stations nearby I'll get to a town I'd like to get to a town in early enough to go do that radio plug you know mm -hmm. um sponsorship you know what's a what's a brand like whatever his music represent his and her music represent and what they do who is another business that would benefit from having their product in front of that band's audience because they they have the same audience same market yeah well i mean for my band right there's a local there's a local company who just was like out at the cannabis cup now i want to say the name on here and just in case it doesn't work out but there's a couple of local brands that i'm friendly to that I would love to take their brand outside of the state. You know what I'm saying? Like, And not every business, it doesn't make sense for every business, right? It wouldn't make sense for the wormhole across the street or Starlandia for me to take their logos out to Texas. No, they're local businesses. Right. But we have some businesses in Savannah that have national and regional distribution. Well, like a brewery who's trying to sell their beer outside of Savannah. Right. Or, uh, or a business that, like, you know, there's a there's a flip side to that. Like some of the tourist industry could benefit from from some of the places I'm going. I'm going to New well, Orleans. Well, Savannah itself can be an export, right? You yeah. can take Savannah, the city, to other places and say, "Hey, if you like me, you probably like Savannah. Go check out Savannah." The um the original goal that Oshin and I had was to was to build a music scene that 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 push savannah outside of savannah we found so much resistance mm. and clickishness in that that we said fuck the scene we'll do this for ourselves there's a lot of half-assed shit you know i've never called somebody a scrub because of their content i've called somebody a scrub because of their effort hmm. and so you're like i know you didn't put in everything here yeah but if yeah. you put in like if you put in the effort to it i don't care if i like it or not shit man just because i like something don't mean shit all right i got a girl named chelsea urson she's in a band called banana and she also has a podcast called Dear Young Rocker, where she gives advice to young female musicians. And uh, she's in a band right now. <laughs> she seems to be the most serious one in the band. And sometimes it seems like she's kind of pulling the other musicians instead of Fire everyone. Them. Give them an ultimatum. Either you are on this 100% or I'll do it my damn self until the right people show up. Because fuck you if you're going to hold up my goddamn life with your lack of fucking damn effort. Straight up. I don't give a shit if you starve. If you ever fucking get in the way of me reaching my goals, you're fucking, you don't exist. And you can still be friends. Oh, yeah, shit, man. I'm cordial to a lot of people I don't give a fuck about. 
all all the time. I mean, I can, I can shine it on like the next motherfucker. I mean, you know, you got a bad reputation if you don't play that stupid game of, hey, how you doing? Shaking hands with motherfuckers whose name you don't remember or care to remember. But if you don't play that stupid game, then you get a bad reputation. So I fucking goddamn put the damn lie on like everybody else. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, I hope to see you. Yeah, I'll come to your show. Motherfucker, you ain't never done shit for me. And when I offered to do some shit for you, you didn't do it. And when I told you to show up on time, you didn't show up on time. There's groups out there where it's really just one person who cares, and then they have another two, three, four people who don't really care, but they just want to have a thing. But it's not really like their drive. It's not their passion. And I say replace those people. Find their replacements without telling them, and then simply replace them. Because, no, you don't have the right. If you sign up to do this thing with me, you do not. You're going to work as hard as I do, or else we ain't working together. My band is coming up on a 10-state tour. The name of my band is Zulu Prophet, X-U-L-U-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And you can hit me at um, ZuluProphetBand at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook as Zulu Jones, X-U-L-U-J-O-N-E-S. we got a 10-state tour coming up. If you plug that for me, I appreciate it. We're a local Savannah band that got started in Savannah. We're going to be doing a big benefit for Safe Shelter, the Center for Domestic Violence in uh, October. And uh, if you have any questions, hit me up. I got a press package and all that that I can just send you. When do you start your tour? The tour is kicking off in August at Jenny Springs in Florida. It's a four-day camping festival uh, at a natural spring that stays 70 years, 70 oh, yeah. degrees. This sounds like a cool tour. Yeah. It's yeah. called the Galaxy Rocker Tour because... In 2013, I met my bandmate, Oshin, and my woman, Amber, who I refer to as the She-Troll. Like, around Savannah, I'm known as the Troll of River Street because I'm the hobo that used to sleep under the bridge. Oshin gave her that name, not me. For the record, Oshin started calling her She-Troll, right? And then she walked up. We, me and him were standing in the park, and I said, I bet you won't say it to her face. And he said it to her, and she giggled. But for the past four years, I've been writing a fantasy story that takes place in Forsyth Forest, which is the forest on the edge of the uh, Blood River that's on next to the cursed city um, that's cursed by the blood of the ancestors and the squares in Savannah are all the corrupt politicians and racist and religious figures and the galaxy rockers are the superheroes that came to save the the critters of Forsyth, Forsyth Forest the critters are all the artists the musicians the writers the painters the poets all the all the people that are at the vanguard of social change but they've been enslaved by the evil demon lords of politics, religion, and race. And so that's what's actually corrupting humanity, is these belief systems that are only based in the imagination of men. Like, how do we save the, the artists, the creators from politics and... You can't. They, they will not be saved. Good will not win. Good will never win. Good's not willing to do the thing that evil will do to win. And evil is willing to do that thing. That good so won't evil do. has the evil power, but e good has the good power. Good, good, good will always be there because people are stupid and they have hope. I don't give a fuck anymore. Kill me, let me live. Makes me no difference anymore and shit. So I have no fear. I ain't got nothing to do but do. The purpose in my life is to make this music grind out enough motherfucking money to give my daughter some land when I die because that's the only transferable wealth in the United States of America and the only kind of wealth that can give you food, clothing, and shelter. And then for me and my damn woman to have a fucking damn good time before we die. No other purpose in my life other than those two things. And if the woman leaves, I still got my kid. 
so it don't matter right and because i boiled it down to these set very things every cost cost every cost benefit analysis and operational risk assessment is run through those is does it serve these two purposes if not fuck off I've got no use for you i have to keep my own psychology functioning so when i go make bums a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and go give it to them when nobody's looking I um I take that phone call from the drunk and the addict and shit, man. I do all those other things that maintain me. Though my daughter's the only thing above me. She's my she's the she's a continuation of my existence into eternity. Her potential is greater than mine. On the law of averages, she she has more time to live. She has she has more time to get pleasure out of this life and to do the things that are fulfilling to her. So her life is more important than mine. What's her name? Zoe. Zoe. The Greek, it means life. So, yeah, Zulu is, Zulu is a prophet, I guess you could say. And I think prophets help us question things about ourselves so that we can know thyself. I think it's valuable to question motives, your own. And I think it's okay to have some selfish motives too in there. I mean, if you're an artist or an entrepreneur or making something where you have to lead or you have to influence or you have to entertain a lot of people, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to just be congruent all the way deep down to the core. I think it was Kurt Cobain who said, or that's like another quote that was attributed to Kurt Cobain. And it was said by someone, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. As an artist, you're not going to be loved by everyone. That would be stupid. <laughs> That would be really dumb to try to do. You can be unapologetically yourself. You might end up being revered for it. That's the irony. Wish you could have been in this episode. Maybe you want to be interviewed or maybe you want to ask a question. Well, it's crazy how easy I've made this. You can just Facebook message me or Instagram message me at Culture Hustlers or call or text the hotline at 978-712-8858. That number again is 978 712 8858. Tell us your name, your city, your business, if you have one, and get on this podcast. You can also invite us to your town or follow my travels and live stories on Instagram, Facebook, and culturehustlers.com and check out more podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, probably. And this is Lucas Bybee wishing you lots of love from the cobblestone streets of Savannah, Georgia. And if you like this episode, I want you to go check out another podcast called the Conversation, an artist podcast. I sat down and talked with Michael Shaw, the host over there, and I talked about the concept of 1,000 true fans and not trying to please everyone, but really trying to be involved in a 1,000 people's lives in an unforgettable way and how that can really unlock your career or your business as an artist. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.